0: If you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke, the 18th chapter. We're going to start there in just a moment. Chris Barnhill called me about a month and a half ago and said, hey, can I line up a time for you to come fill in at 4th Avenue? And I was so excited because I love this church. There's so many people here that uh, I have special relationships with, and some of them go way back. I know Chris was excited when I said yes, and you could tell because he's not even here this morning. He was, he was pumped. But Chris and I go back some uh, 40 years to the early 80s. In fact, Chris's dad and I were on staff together at the Harpeth Hills Church in Brentwood for five years. Uh, Brant Bell sitting right over here. Now, Brant's a pretty old man himself. And I think you're one of the elders here, right? And the elder means old, right? All right, put it in perspective, I was Brant's youth minister. Uh, Royce Ray back here, my buddy for so long and walked through so much stuff together. And uh, We go back to what, the early 90s, something like that? Uh, the gentries here who have been such a special part of my life, who I love so much, and Rob Mozak and his wife came in today from uh, Spring Hill, and we go back to, well, Rob and I go back to Old Hickory and DuPont, and we don't even want to talk about that. So it's special for me to be here this morning. I love this church. I love the heart, the spirit of this church. I do want to point out some special people who are also here today. My wife Susie, who's always with me, she's my sidekick. My son Jacob came in from Brentwood and that thrills my heart. But I got a special surprise this morning. I hope I can get through this. I didn't know she was coming, but my daughter Hannah's here. She's in a wheelchair because she had a long, long battle of COVID, and it took the use of her legs. Now, she is fighting. She's a warrior. And she's coming back, and she's not done. (laughs) But of all things, she snuck up on me this morning. Susie knew she was coming. I didn't know. Duddy or Dustin, I'm sorry, daddy your husband who I love so much, and I've got three of my 10 grandchildren here that came in, and I know they're bored stiff, but hang with me, okay? (laughs) So I've got a son and a daughter here, grandchildren, son-in-law. My other daughter and her family uh, live in Lebanon. They did not come in. They chose to go to Disney World instead. (laughs) So go figure. But I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm especially excited about our message. I appreciate Mark. Uh, it was so easy to work with staff. It's also always easy to work with Gary, with Mark and the others here. And uh, of course, I told him when I was going to be speaking on Mark built our worship time around that theme. And I appreciate that so much. And I hope as we get into our lesson, uh, you'll see how that all fits together. Let's read from Luke, the 18th chapter. We're going to read a story here. And then in just a little while, we're going to come back to it. We're going to begin in verse 18. Luke 18:18. 18, 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. The young ruler said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Therefore, come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Key word there, he became sad. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with me is possible with God. And Peter, always the outspoken one, said, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. I want you to imagine with me, just a moment if you would, I want you to imagine that somebody comes and knocks on your door and says they're taking a a survey and they say, if you can have anything in the world, anything, what would you have? If I told you I could give you anything in the world, what would it be? Well, of course, we think about what those answers might be, cars, houses, money, health, and right now as we see the atrocities that are going on in our world, we might say world peace. Well, a survey like this was done several years ago in the United States, and surprisingly to those who were doing the survey, the answer came back something very different than what they had imagined it might be. Because the overwhelming response of people throughout the United States when told they could have any one thing, whatever it is they wanted, their answer was, happiness they just wanted happiness we and people all around us are looking for true happiness we all want to be happy and it seems like in today's age and time that's gotten even more difficult than it has uh, in the past with all the problems and the difficulties everybody is looking for happiness And of course, the problem that we often have as we look for that joy, as we look for that fulfillment, as we look for that happiness, is a lot of times we look in the wrong places. Drugs, alcohol, sex, jobs, money, unhealthy relationships, hobbies. And when you think about it right now, depression, anxiety, suicide, overdoses are at an all-time high. I don't know, I know that a lot of the community is shielded from the realities of what goes on in your own community but what we're seeing in anxiety what we're seeing in depression what we're seeing in suicide is growing exponentially and of course the pharmacies continue to push out their pills to try to deal uh, with those issues and those problems but when we look in the wrong places we only find more emptiness more pain and more disappointment you see, because the key message and what I, I, I want to drive home today is what we in the world seem to be missing is the fact that real happiness, real fulfillment, real joy, real peace can only come through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. You can applaud. That's, that's good news. That's good news. It can only be found in a relationship with God which can only come in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Philippians is my favorite book of the Bible and and I love to preach. I love to teach out of Philippians. uh, uh, I just I love it I want you to imagine for just a minute you visit with some folks for five to seven days Which is apparently how long Paul was with the people uh, in Philippi according to Acts He's there five to seven days, but apparently he developed deep relationships And so much so that they established a church there they appointed elders there and then so many years later Paul sits down to write them a letter But now, as is always true, when when studying the Bible, you need to understand the context. Paul, as he writes the book of Philippians, was in prison. He'd been in prison because of his faith, because of his outspokenness. We don't know exactly what uh, his imprisonment situation. Most scholars believe that he's probably under house arrest. Couldn't leave his house. Probably chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. He didn't have anything. He didn't know when what day might be his last day when he might be uh, uh, murdered because of his faith. And so in that context, in that situation, he sits down to write a letter to these people in Philippi. Now really, he'd only known them uh, five to seven days according to what we read in the book of Acts. Now if that was you, and you were in prison, you were chained to a soldier, you were possibly going to be killed for your death, you didn't know what day was going to be your last day, what kind of letter do you think you'd write? Woe is me, this is terrible, pray for me, whatever. Well, if you read the book of Philippians, it's a book of joy. It's a book of rejoicing. 17 times in that four-chapter book, he mentions joy or rejoicing. In chapter 1, verse 4, he talks about praying with joy. 118, he talks about rejoicing that Christ has been preached. 125, he talks about joy in the faith. 217, rejoicing despite his circumstances. Remember that word. We're going to come back to it. 3, 1, rejoice in Lord. And not only did he say rejoice, Lord, he said, again, I say rejoice. An emphasis there. In one, he talks about total contentment and peace regardless of his circumstances. So despite of his imprisonment, his poverty, the fear of death, whatever, his joy had not been taken away. And instead of writing to these people asking them to feel sorry for him, he's writing to encourage them and to help them understand this joy that God has for us. Now I don't know about you, I want me some of that. I want a joy and a happiness that can't be taken away from me. I want a peace that comes regardless of the circumstances around me. I want a fulfillment that lasts longer than just this part of my life. I want something that lasts for eternity. Paul knew he had that, so he writes about joy. You know, probably the happiest day of my life is when I learned that God wanted me to be happy. I didn't grow up in a tradition and environment where I was taught that God wanted me to be happy. You know, how we we see God really affects how we respond to God. When I learned and understood that God wanted me to be happy and provided everything that I needed for that, that was turning off light switch in my life. His calls on my life were not some test, it's not to see if I was good enough because obviously I was not and am not. It wasn't to see if I could follow enough of the rules. It was was a guidebook. It was a roadmap to total joy, happiness, and fulfillment. When I realized, when God said, you need to stay away from this, and you need to run to this, those weren't tests. It's because he understood that's where I'd find real happiness. It is of God's nature that he wants us to be fulfilled and happy and joyous. And so when we see God in that light, and we understand that that's where he's trying to lead us, I don't know about for you, but my relationship with God totally changed and opened up. Some people see God as Santa Claus. For some, you know, you sit in his lap and ask for all the things you want. Some see him as an insurance policy. He's there in case things go bad. Uh, Some people see him as a grandfather. You know, he's he's a sweet old man, and he's got good advice. His advice is just a little bit old, kind of how my grandkids see me. Uh, Some people, me growing up, he was like the great sheriff in the sky, waiting to zap me every time I messed up. And I messed up a lot, and that didn't lead to a lot of joy. I grew up in an environment that said, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, and don't date girls that do. (laughs) But there was a caveat to it. Don't cuss, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, and don't date girls that do. And you might get to go to heaven. There's no assurance in that. There was no claiming of God's promises in that, but that's the environment in which I, I grew up. God intends for his people to experience joy. John 10, ten, I've come that you can have life and have it to the full. My joy in you so that you may your my joy is in you so that your joy may be complete. Galatians five twenty-two, joy is listed. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So hear me a minute. If joy is a fruit of the Spirit and you're absent of joy, the Holy Spirit's not where it should be in your life. Think about that for a minute. Because when the Holy Spirit is present in our life, something that naturally flows from that is a joy, and it's a joy based on God and what God has done for us and God's promises, not what we have or what's going on around us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's very short, Psalms 144th chapter, the 15th verse. Happy are the people whose God is Lord. Amen? Happy. Are the people whose God is the Lord now I don't want to be misleading we need to face the fact that the world offers some forms of joy and happiness as well and and the Bible addresses that and we don't need to act like there's nothing out there that doesn't bring joy and happiness okay but listen to what the Bible says about the happiness of the wicked it's limited to this life, Psalm seventeen fourteen. It's short, Job twenty five. It's uncertain, Luke twelve twenty. It's vain, Ecclesiastes two one. It's marred by jealousy, Esther five thirteen. And leads, number six leads to sorrow, according to Proverbs fourteen thirteen. So, what do you want? Do you want what Paul had, that led to his assurance, sitting in an imprisoned situation, or do you want what the world has to offer? that's temporary, it's vain, it's short, and it often leads to pain. Let's look back at our story in Luke, the 18th chapter. The young man who came to Jesus, we see it in another uh, one of the Gospels where this story is told. He was rich, and he was young, and he was a ruler. Now, when you go back and understand that culturally and what that looked like uh, at that time in this world, he he had it going for him. Rich, You know, there basically was a 2 caste system back in those days, culturally. You were rich or you were poor. You were a a have or a have-not, it was pretty much that simple. He was rich, he was young, he had youth on his side, and he was a ruler of some sort, so he had some sense of of power, some kind of authority, so he had a lot going for him. And obviously, from the story we could tell, it it led to him having a lot of possessions, a lot of things. And of course, Jesus said, "You, you need to go get rid of those. He didn't say, bring them with you and we'll work on it. He said, we need to go get rid of those, and then you come follow me. So Jesus talked to the guy. He said, what have I got to do to have eternal life? And he said, well, I followed all the rules. That's kind of like us. We followed a lot of the rules, hadn't we? But he said, something's missing. Jesus said, go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Because you see, it wasn't just a matter of following rules. It was a matter of the heart. that man's heart that rich young ruler's heart was tied to what he had and the bible says and the key word here the rich young ruler went away sad he missed out on the joy that jesus wanted to give to him he wanted to miss out on real fulfillment he missed out he chose to miss out on fulfillment The disciples are sitting there, and they're looking at this. And again, Peter's always the one that's outspoken, and they hear hear Jesus tell this guy, you got to go get rid of everything you got, and then you can come follow me. And so Peter speaks up, and he says, wait a minute, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. We've given it all, we've done that, so what's in it for us? And in verse 29 of the passage we just read, Jesus' response is, No one who has left home or wives or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, now listen to this last part of this, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. In this age. We get to experience the joy and the happiness and the blessings that only God can bring now. That's not something that's out there just on the other side of death, although I'm excited about that. He said it doesn't start then, it starts right now. So I believe in all my heart that we don't have to wait for eternity because eternity has already begun for those that are followers of Jesus Christ. We're living in eternity. Death is nothing but a door into a different part of God's house. And you know what? I'm not scared of going there either. I look forward to that. It's going to be pretty good. But I don't have to wait for them to experience the total fulfillment and happiness and peace that God wants to give me through my relationship with Jesus Christ. Death is no longer a finality. It's an opportunity to enter into another eternal phase of the joy that God has given His people. So why do we struggle with happiness so much? Why do we have trouble latching on to why is the world looking for this habit. Why, in a survey, would that be the thing that, that people wanted more than anything else? Well, Warren Wearsby, who I, I love to read, in his commentary on the book of Philippians, lays out four, what he calls, joy stealers. Four things that will take your joy. Number one, circumstances. When our joy or our happiness or our peace or our fulfillment is depend on, depends on what's going on around us, When it's based on externals, instead of what I internally have inside of me, we're going to be unhappy people. Paul's circumstances were about as bad as they could be. He's sitting in some kind of imprisoned situation. That didn't steal his joy. I counsel and have dealt with in my ministries for so many times, people that come and they're struggling and they're unhappy. Well, what's going on? This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. Well, the problem is what's going on outside is stronger than what they have inside. When that happens, we crash. We can't allow externals to to steal our joy. Second thing he talks about is money. I probably don't have to talk about that. We don't have enough, we got too much. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Money. And you know, it seems like that all works out. I remember in my life, two of my three kids are here, I remember looking at them some nights and not knowing how I was going to feed them. I know what it's like not to have anything. And then I know what it's like to be blessed and I am blessed, but you know I survived it all. I remember car breaking down, not knowing what am I going to do about my car broken down. You know, the AC goes out. What am, I, what am I going to do about that? I didn't have the money to fix it, but it always worked out, and it didn't rob me of my joy because I had something in here that was stronger than what was pressing on me out here. Circumstances, money, and third thing, people. This, this world would be a great place if it wasn't for people. <laughs> it would be wonderful. You know, people that rag on you, people give you a hard time, people don't do what you want them to do, uh, people treat you in ways that you don't want them to treat you. People. But you know, that's, that's the reality. And we can't allow people and what they do to us, with us, against us, or whatever, to rob us uh, of our joy. My favorite passage in the Bible, one of them. Jesus said, where two or more of you are gathered together, okay, does that come into everybody's mind? Here's my version. Where two or more of you come together, you'll mess it up. (laughs) Of course, what he really said is, where two more of you are gathered, I'll be with you. But you know, we're humans, and so we come together, we bring all our humanity. And you know what? I'm just as screwed up as the next guy is. I gotta cut him some slack, because I'm depending on people to cut me some slack. You can't allow people to steal your joy. And the last thing he talks about, his fourth joy stealer, is worry. Man, we are a worrisome, anxious people, are we not? And you know, really, you know, if you want to be a rule follower, not to worry is a command from God. Just like so many other things that we accept as a command from God. Don't worry. Don't worry. Over and over and over again in the Bible, it talks about not fearing and not worrying. And hey, let's face it, we've lived in two years of fear and worry for different reasons. Politics, uh, illness, worry. And you know, sociological studies show that over 95% of what we worry about never even happens. So what time do we waste with worry. How do we allow worry about the future or worry about the past steal the present from us and the joy that the present can bring? So circumstances, money, people, worry, those are the things that tend to steal our joy. God has given us access to ultimate joy and happiness for now and for eternity. It's ours. And I really think the idea of These things steal in our joy is somewhat of a misnomer because I believe this. It's mine. God gave it to me. And I don't lose it unless I give it away. When somebody, we talk about stealing, when money steals my joy, it's because I've given my joy to money. When I allow the circumstances that are facing me to take away my joy, I'm I'm giving up that joy. So I think the word steal is a little bit of a, a, a misnomer. But too often we allow these things to take away our joy. We give away what God has given to us. So one of my questions for today is this. As you sit here today, is something stealing your joy? Have you given it up to something? Have you surrendered your joy for something else? Have you allowed this precious gift that God has given us, peace, fulfillment, joy, happiness, have you allowed yourself to give that away for something of much less value? Where's my joy going? Now, what do we got to be so happy about? Well, when I sit down and I think about the blessings of God, pretty hard to write them all down, you know? So this is what I got today. Here's the ABCs. The ABCs of happiness with God. Everybody ready? A, we're accepted by God. B, we are beloved by God. C, we are chosen by God to be his. D, we're delivered by God from sin and death and the ugliness of this world and my own weakness. E, I've been enlightened. I can have the mind of Christ. F, I've forgiven of all my sins. I'm freed from the bondage of sin. G, I've got God's grace. H, I have hope. I, I have an inheritance with the saints. J, I've been justified before God. K, I have knowledge of God. L, I'm loved by the creator of the universe. M, I get to experience God's mercy. N, I have a nearness of God. O, I'm one with God. P, I have his peace and his power. Q, I'm quickened by the Spirit. R, I'm redeemed by Christ's blood. S, I'm sealed by the Spirit. I'm saved. T, I am his treasure and have access to his treasures. U, I'm united with God and all of his followers. V, I'm validated and was deemed worthy for Christ to die for me. W, I have his wisdom. X, I'm exalted to live with him in eternity. Y, is Yahweh, the creator of the universe, created me. As the brother said in communion, he made me good. And Z, zippity doo dah. Wait a minute, there's an end to this. Zippity-doo-dah, I can experience true, unabashed joy and happiness with God. But it seems like today, we as Christ followers don't always radiate that sense of joy. If some of you do, you need to let your faces know. Too often we radiate the joy of someone who's got a really bad case of indigestion. <laughs> a preacher went to a portrait studio. I heard this story. He went to the portrait studio, and you know they're draping him up, and they're doing all this, and the photographer looks at him and says, well, well what kind of pose would you like? And the preacher looked up and said, oh, I want the somber pose. Well, brethren, we need to quit being a somber people. We need to be a loud happy people we need to let this world know that we have what they're all looking for we had it we could share it we sing oh how i love jesus with a frown on our face (laughs) something about that and our message to the world here we are god's people in a world that's looking for happiness and too often our message to them is hey come follow me as i follow jesus it's killing me and it'll kill you too you can't offer, offer a dying world a dying religion. We can't offer a sad world an unhappy dying faith. I want to close with a story. I don't even know how long I've been up here but uh, I'll tell you a story I heard this several years ago and it has just stuck with me. I was telling you how old I was been I'm old and uh, you know back when I was growing up we didn't have toys or us or Walmarts that had these big, huge toy sections in them. You know, I was lucky if I got to go to Western Auto where my dad worked and see a few toys or Woolworths, Five and Dime. All the older people in here are smiling now because they get me. But you know, you go into to- Toys R Us and there's just, and I think they're closed down now, right? Now we just give them an iPad and tell them to shop in Amazon. But... Uh, remember the first time I ever went to Toys R Us, and it's just this massive wall-to-wall toys and stuff. Well, little Johnny was six years old, and one morning when he was getting ready to go to school, his dad said, hey, Johnny, I tell you what, I've got a surprise for you. He said, when I get home from work, I'm going to take you to, to Toys R Us, and I've got something really special for you. Now how do you think six-year-old Johnny reacted to that? He's pretty excited. So he goes to school, he gets home, and he's just watching at the door all afternoon waiting for dad to get home. Dad finally comes home, and Johnny just wraps himself around his dad's legs, can we go, can we go? Johnny said, Johnny's dad said, okay, let's go get in the car. So they get in the car, and they're driving to Toys R Us, they get there, and as they walk in the front door, Johnny's dad says to him, now listen to me, hold my hand, and I'm going to take you to your surprise. Of course, Johnny's okay, I can't wait, can't wait. So he grabs his dad's hand, and they start through Toys R Us. Now, taking a child through Toys R Us is like saying, sick them to a dog. You know, they're just spazzing out. So they start down the aisle, and dad's got his hands, and all of a sudden, little Johnny looks over to the right. And over there to the right is this super big, cool, remote-controlled four-wheel drive truck. And it's wrapped up in all this beautiful packaging, and it looks so good, and it looks so attractive. And little Johnny jerks away from his dad's hand, and he goes over there, and he grabs it. And he said, oh, Dad, this is it. I've been wanting one of these. This is awesome. And Dad's thinking, oh, no. And he goes over to Johnny, he gently pries his hands up and says, hey, that's really good, but I've got something better for you hold on to my hand and let's keep walking. They go a little bit farther back in the store and Johnny looks, he got his dad's hand, but he looks over to the right and there's another bright shiny package. And it's a super, super size Legos. Now, my grandson right over here loves Lego. Is that right, Owen? Yeah. Okay. And so Johnny jerks away from his dad again and he goes over and and he grabs that big box of Legos and, and he said, This is it, Dad. This is it, isn't it? This is what you had for me. And of course, Dad has to go over, gently unwrap his hands and say, No, Johnny, this is not it. I've got something even better for you. And put it back on sale. Of course, the mothers are walking by watching him take this stuff out of little Johnny's hand, you know, thinking he's a child molester or something. They do that two or three more times till they get to the back of the store. Dad's exhausted. Johnny's still got the hand and he's wondering, it wasn't that and it wasn't that, what, what do you got for me? They finally get to the very back of the store and dad turns to his right and says, Johnny, look over here. This is what I have for you. And there was a bright red, shiny new bicycle. Johnny's first bicycle. Bigger, better, and more beautiful than anything he had tried to grab going down the aisle as his dad said oh my hand." are you grabbing things going down the aisle or are you holding God's hands waiting for what God has for you see I think for a lot of us we settled for the shiny packages the stuff The accumulation of stuff, whatever. It doesn't have to be stuff, it could be anything. Uh, Sex, we could be hooked to hobbies, whatever. Are we grabbing something off the shelves as God tries to hold our hand and said, I've got something better for you. Has somebody stole your joy? Have you given your joy away? Are you holding on to the packages? you just need to be reminded of what we have to be happy about as followers of Jesus Christ. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. May we claim that happiness. Pray with me. Father, you are such a a good and a wonderful in a giving God. Saying thank you doesn't even seem to be enough. Considering all that you have made available to us, not just in heaven at the end of this life, but now, the fulfillment, the joy, the happiness, the freedom from worry and anxiety, the knowledge that we're yours, that you've adopted us, that we're your children, God, thank you. God, forgive us when we forget what we have to be so happy about. Forgive us when we give up our happiness for things that really don't matter. Forgive us when we grab packages that are really worthless compared to what you have for us. And give us strength as we walk through this life. And most of all, God, help us show a world that's searching for happiness what happiness really is.